Chatting Stories Podcast. I'm Marian. I'm Jez. Hello. I'm Carla. And for this episode, we are going to do the, um, I guess, the comparison and uh, final, final thoughts that we have for this mini cluster of Cask of Amontillado and Telltale Heart. Yay! Yay! Sure. <laughs> Last episode for Spooky Boy Po. So, if you haven't listened to the two previous episodes on Cask and Telltale, you might want to because uh, some of what we're going to say might not make sense. Also, mm-hmm. if you're just skipping so you can get to the analysis, don't do that. Shame. <laughs> yeah. Go back and listen to the first two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are talking to you, English potential English majors who will be listening to this. I know you have a paper to write, <laughs> but no, you go back and give us listen time. You, <laughs> you go back and listen. You miss one of us telling you to resolve your problems in a parking lot. True. Yeah. We won't yeah. tell you which one. <laughs> yeah, you, it's you. I'm talking to you, you English major, you or literature major, you. Go back. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I guess a good place to start is uh, to gauge which story is creepier for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a difficult question, actually. Yeah, yeah go. I personally. I think that Telltale is so much more creepier just because of that whole watching you while you sleep mm-hmm. kind of situation that he did for seven days. I just honestly that's a very that's a very real fear like a more reasonable fear than someone luring you into a catacomb and sealing you off inside the wall. I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so definitely that's a little creepier to me since it does have a higher probability of happening which I hope it never does but you know you never do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carla um, for me it's uh, Telltale Heart because yung build up kasi of the tear in the reader is much more palpable than with mm-hmm. Cask of Amontillado. Kasi parang the way the way Montresor was describing his plan is yun nga, it's not really in an insane way or it's not in a very creepy way. Whereas with Telltale Heart, yung first few paragraphs pa lang, first few lines pa lang ng story, it's a person defending himself that he's not mad. And if you're not interested in that kind of storyline, I mean, who wouldn't, right? So, yeah, I think it's much more creepier for me. But I'm also not saying na hindi creepy si Cask. Kasi nga, as I said in the previous episode that you should be listening to before you listen to this, is that I have the fear of being buried alive. Or at least, not just claustrophobic, but yun nga, yung fear na you're still alive while you're somewhere in an enclosed space left to die. 
So yun, yeah, I think that's creepy. But I think yung creepy part is just in the end. Na dinala siya doon, chinain siya, sinisil siya one by one in a very um slow manner. So, uh-huh. yun lang yung creepy part for me. But with Telltale Heart, it's like beginning to the end very creepy. With the way he was setting yeah. it up, um, observing him, making his steps, and, and up until the end where he killed him. And yun nga, yung pag-confess. It's very much creepy. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ako rin, I think I find Telltale Heart to be creepier. But to give credit to Kask, I think the creepy aspect of Kask to me comes from kasi when i when i look i don't have a particular fear of these two kinds of deaths i guess although if i am going to rank them i am more afraid of like i'm more claustrophobic than you know mm-hmm. afraid of having someone watching me but like um so i think the creepy aspect of these two stories to me comes from how they rationalize their their actions or what motivations drive them to do what they did. And the creepy thing about Cask is how clinical Montresor is throughout the entire act. Mm. Na he is very meticulous in how he set everything up. And in his head, we hear his uh, thoughts the entire time. Eh. He is not panicking. He is calm. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. And to some yeah. extent, that's really creepy na this is a person who is not faced at all by what he is gonna be doing the only the, I think the only emotion that Montresor shows throughout that entire thing is doon na sa dulo na hindi na siya sinasagot ni Fortunato mm. but all throughout the process of luring the guy into the catacombs wala talagang stone stone cold si Montresor then again Telltale is creepier because of how unhinged and how deranged this person is. Like, yeah. I appreciate the coldness of Montresor and I feel the dread of the coldness na yun. But, uh, the opposite here naman of the rage and the heat coming from this POV character of Telltale. Bakit ba kasi walang pangalan to? We should name this Telltale person para I, I vote to name him Gatsby. Just because I'm looking at a Gatsby thing <laughs> right in front of me. This person, this POV person. You might call him Bob. Some people. Bob. Bob? Let's call him Bob. Bob. Okay, I think I, think I wanna call him Bob. Yeah, yeah, Bob. Itong, yeah, itong POV ni Bob. Na, uh, <laughs> you know, it sounds yeah. so when much someone listens to this for academic purposes, they're going to think that the guy's name is actually Bob. We are going nah, to nah. Bernstein you, you know Bears what? effect nah. this story. Nah, nah, nah. Listen, if you're a, if you're an English major, you're in college, and you're listening to this, and you actually believe that the guy's name is Bob, come on, read it again. You should not be there. No, you should not be. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should. You should. No one should be fooled. Anyway, so so Bob, your point of view, Bob, na. Um, how and yung ano siguro yung the thing about Bob is that he's like uh, he's like a calm sea outside pero underneath underneath nung calm na exterior sobrang uh, dirty and sobrang churning yung thoughts niya 
I think that's mm-hmm. scarier. That's scarier than Montresor na talagang calm all throughout. Yeah. Yun. Yep. So, it's a consensus na Telltale is creepier than Cask. And I feel like, I mean, both of these stories have it, but like, the very thorough line of doing these things under the guise of kindness. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. Tresor pretending to be a good friend and the nari- Bob uh, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that he shows no sign of ill will. You know, like, is it really kindness when it hides a malicious purpose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and another thing then pala, I forgot to say this, why I find Cask creepy, no, why I find Telltale creepier is that, kasi Fortunato, at least from what we heard, what we hear from Montresor, Fortunato did something wrong. Itong old man na to, he literally did not do anything wrong. Yeah. He was, he was just living mm. his life. And so, the idea lang na even if you're living your life, you know, as well as you can, and you can still be targeted by this crazy person, yeah. that's creepy. <laughs> Hindi ka tulad ni Fortunato na to some extent he kind of got like he had it coming. He only had he himself had to blame. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to sing it though. I didn't want to sing it because it's gonna be it's gonna be put on the internet. But yeah, no, that thing. No. we know that song. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. It brings back Can, bad memories. <laughs> oh no, we will we will ano we will process those memories when we talk about the Puritans, Carla. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about yun nga, the, the through line of kindness. Kindness being a weapon of sorts in these in both of these stories. But like, is it kindness when it masks malicious intent? Can we even I mean, call it yeah. kindness? I mean, it's definitely not true kindness, but the guise of putting kindness on and the way lang and like um capitalizing on the way that humans are attracted to kindness that's you know that's sinister that's very sinister in its own way yeah kasi basically even in like serial killer documentaries yeah, yeah, so yeah. talaga sa um, important parts of their formula is to make your victims vulnerable and at the same time comfortable with you para hindi mm-hmm. sila para they won't suspect you if ever you uh, you actually kill them so yeah i think kindness is still um a subjective term here and mm-hmm. at the same time it also depends on your motive but yeah kung basic definition it's still kindness yeah and i don't think it matters i don't think it matters whether it's <laughs> yeah, true yeah, kindness yeah. or not actually <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's basta, It's you project kindness, and you have a reason for doing so. That's you know, uh, whether the kindness is real or not, it's really not of much consequence. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I guess another thing that both Montresor and Bob have in common mm-hmm. is this I don't know pinprick of guilt or at least like they both grapple with guilt either by having it or the lack of guilt yeah, yeah. definitely 
like they both struggle with it at some point of the story how what does that um how does that read for you because like personally i do believe that they do experience guilt in one point of the story both of mm-hmm. them but the thing yeah. is um the guilt comes at for bob at least it comes at a price where his mm-hmm. brain tips over and it becomes his undoing through the heart and the ticking of the clock right yeah. and montresor does have this flash of guilt when Fortunato, either by early death or by fear or by defiance, doesn't respond to him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So like, yep, yep. they do have some sort of guilt. And also, in the Telltale Heart, you know, when he says in the very last thing, Montresor says, right? the yeah. words in Latin. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. So, like, I guess his guilt has is a bit more of a diluted thing, but that it never really leaves him. Right? Mm-hmm. Even though he committed it, even though he successfully got away with it, it never really leaves him. Ako, um... The thing with these two stories is that these are stories not of homicide but of murder in the sense that these are premeditated things. None of these are like, you know, um, spontaneous acts of passion, diba? Mm -hmm. These are not spontaneous acts of passion. These are premeditated, especially Montresor. We, We talked about how meticulous all that, you know, set of preparations are. Anyway. Um, I feel like um, I don't know. I, I don't really want to psychoanalyze these characters that yeah. much. But yeah, like, we don't want to do your paper for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't really want to psychoanalyze them that much. But like um, normally, like a normal person to some extent, while you are preparing these many things, for example, for Montresor, while you are setting up all of these elaborate uh, traps and for Bob while he's watching the old man for seven nights straight. If you're, you know, a normal functioning person, dun palang makakaramdam ka na ng guilt. But for both of these characters, that guilt does not come during the process, not even immediately after the process, I think. It's, you know, it's, from reflection pa from reflection of what's what has happened after the fact um, for at least for Montresor um, for Montresor kasi if um, kung tin, he could have just continued like uh, putting the bricks like on and on and on and like yeah, yeah. Uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't realize anything eh. and but um, if hindi pa naging defy if hindi pa nag, nagkaroon ng silence from Fortunato Hindi pa niya, hindi pa lalabas yung uh, yung emotion na yun from Montresor. And then mm-hmm. for this for for Bob, 'di ba, na chinapcha pa niya yung old man, 
Nagpapasok pa siya ng police and all of that before nag-sink in sa kanya yung act. So, I think both the lack of guilt or the delay of guilt yeah. is indicative of their uh, unhinged unhinged yeah, yeah. mental state. It's also a very... Um, would I be correct in saying like in the romantic capital or romantic style that this parang the these uh moments of guilt are kind of symbolic of the dead haunting the living oh yeah definitely diba? definitely yeah like isn't the spirituality of it all a hallmark of romantic era style of writing I mean mm-hmm. I don't know if, I don't remember more correctly if Poe was part of the romance era authors but the style in which he incorporates spirituality in the sense of how death affects the living and those who commit that death is very much reminiscent of it you know yeah. like it never happens while the victims are still alive the guilt only yeah. kicks in when it happened and even though bob and montresor showed it in different ways and montresor's was a bit more subtle it still happens and we see the mm-hmm. proof of it yeah yeah yep i agree carla yeah because when i was like rereading telltale heart and even task you would sense yung tone of obsession of the narrators mm-hmm. with the with their victims and hindi man siya like explicit na sinabi but like even in the subtext you would see na they are re- they are telling these stories to whoever was listening or whoever was reading because they are still if even in the end preoccupied with what they did with the crime and so yeah very evident yung akala mo you you got the satisfaction or you were finally um you finally accomplished something that you wanted to do from the beginning of the story but if you're going to analyze it actually hindi siya talaga hindi ka talaga nanalo or the mm-hmm. these people really did not win because they did not get the satisfaction of I mean relieving the burden relieving the torture or relieving whatever it is that bothered you to commit that crime but I'm sure yeah hindi talaga yung papasok sa isip nila since they are mentally ill but for a same person you would see na hindi talaga they, they did not win there's no winning point for them here mm-hmm. and they don't even realize it can I just say na having a mental illness is not an excuse oh, to definitely, commit definitely. Yeah, we're not saying naman na ano. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that for anyone listening who thinks na because we talk about mental instability and crime a lot with these two things might think that we are conflating the two with each other. Uh, that's not the mm-hmm. point. We do not condone yeah. those. 
you know, mental illness is something that is a sickness and needs attention and treatment, but it's not an excuse, okay? You cannot tell people that, you know, it is equivocal to each other or that they are mutually inclusive. No, that's not yep. true. So I just yep. want to put it out there, just in case. I guess, moving on to um, another point, uh, we have said, like, you know, these two stories really do creep us out, but, like, are they horrific in today's standards? Like, in what we understand or what we think of as horror, do they still hold up? Do these two stories still hold up to the horror genre that we think of? And to preface this, I guess none of us are big horror fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, we do have an idea of horror and what that entails for us non-horror-inclined people. Does, mm-hmm. does it fit? Or do you think it's kind of its power in horror has been a bit diluted because of both the age and how much how much attention it has gotten over the years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I think no. I mean, yes, it's still compelling, it's still horrific even with today's standards. Because the mere fact na yung formula ng story like with an unreliable narrator with a crime and with them giving you a nar- na narrative na hindi naman talaga like very sane and believable to begin with it's pretty much the formulas of like serial killer documentaries that we see today of horror movies that we see today and even back then parang it's still applicable right now pero if you're going to ask me, uh, yes, it's still pretty terrifying for me. Kasi nga, again, I'm not fond of horror. So, even the slightest bit of, like, somebody killing another person without any motive, without any reason for doing so, it's very horrific for me. However, I could still see people, especially those na talagang hardcore horror fans, who would not be faced by this. Kasi basically, it's just a person killing another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kubaga, and a lot of horror stories din kasi right now, or movies per se, involves the supernatural to make it more horrific. Yeah. Kasi dun nga pumapasak yung element that you don't know what to do because hindi mo rin ma-predict or it's very unpredictable for the antagonist to do things to you. But here kasi we, we see the person we see how he does it, how he plans for it, the execution of it, and then his reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. Parang, yeah, there's no um, supernatural rules here. So I think it kind of affects the story of it being like marketable today. But not to the point that it dilutes the story. Yeah. Yeah. I think for like uh, hardcore horror junkies, because there is... From what I understand, there is, you know, there are different subcategories of the horror genre. Mm-hmm. There's like gore, there's like slasher films, and then psychological. Yeah, and then this fa- this uh, falls under psychological horror. And from what I understand, people co- the 
films that people consider as the best horror films have a lot of psychological horror in them. And uh, I think the trend nowadays, from what I've seen so far and from what I've heard from uh, people talking about you know, horror films, um, there has been some sort of oversaturation na of you know, supernatural stories, like big bombastic stories about fighting evil. Uh, and now, the, the kinds of stories that people appreciate, we are starting to go back to these smaller, under, understated stories that are just about a person being deranged and, upper, and like get, really getting into the skin of these, um, you know, uh, crazy individuals. So, I do think by today's standards, there, I, I think there was a time, there was a time in the past that we were veering away from these kinds of stories, like the market is veering away from that. But so far, I think we are getting back to that. Uh, we are getting back to that, uh, to that trend. People are still afraid of, kasi, the thing about, the terrifying thing about both of these stories is that these people can be walking around, can be, can be walking with you. Diba? Yun yung, ano yun eh, yun yung, yun yung catch of, yun yung catch of psychological horror, not like supernatural horror na, you know, there's not, it's not every day that, you know, an alien is gonna crash on earth and like eat people. It's not every day that you're gonna face a cannibal. But, you don't know what is going on in the minds of the people you are with every day. So, yung yung catch na yun na these could these individuals could be walking among us. That's still mm-hmm. really creepy, and people are still afraid of that. So I do think that no, I do think that it still works. It definitely did not diminish in value. There's a reason why Poe is still very much highly regarded today. Yep. I think. I'm a bit more split with this just because uh, I kind of have like just two criteria for things that I personally would consider as horrific. One of that is will it keep me up at night and the second is does it elicit a visceral reaction for me and I feel like cast doesn't really do anything for both of those questions whereas mm-hmm. with Telltale definitely it would it elicit a visceral reaction from me as well as it's also really creepy that it kind of does kind of make me not want to go to sleep because again it's a Telltale Heart kind of place would be unknown in yeah. a way that the victim doesn't know until he does mm-hmm. and by then it's too late mm-hmm. there is this element of the uh, of the things that are coming to get you you don't know until they are there and there's nothing you can do so i guess it it's a lot more horrific for me than cask just because there's a certain detachment with cask of montellado in the yeah. sense that it had to happen under very specific circumstances for it to work so it just feels like it is a, a horror story in the sense that what happens in the in the story 
is very unpleasant and disturbing but is it for me personally horrific not really mm-hmm. yep yeah that just comes down to personal taste anyway yeah i think it's time to talk about you know it's time to talk about why we keep teaching these stories to kids <laughs> to 14 year olds why do we keep coming back to these stories Yeah, why what I mean this is a question that I guess is probably more suited to both of you. Uh we haven't made it any secret that the both of you are teachers. So why 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 is it something that still is in the curriculum? Like I mean I guess Poe. Why is Poe still in the curriculum? Why do you do you know why teach kids Poe and his stories and I guess in us in if we want to make it broader uh, stories that are very very disturbing or horrific mm-hmm. you want to begin with what our professor said you want to recount that uh, sure go so we had a professor in uh, our American literature class who said that Scofobontelliado is one of the best examples of a character study. And he's right. I mean, it is something that is simple in how it is written and in the in how Poe puts the plot one action after another but There are better examples of character study, especially when it comes to Poe. But yeah. I guess there is the certain charm of I know how to teach this specific story from the years of experience that I've taught this story. So why change it now? I guess there's some sense to that, but if it's <laughs> just I again, I don't know because I'm not teaching. Okay? So it's just that if it's about a story being a character study, there are a lot more stories that can fulfill that role better. And even if you're just asking for something that's a little hair-raising but also a good um character study I would honestly kind of suggest Flannery O'Connor am, uh-huh. I, am I remembering her name right Yes yes I would so uh-huh. much suggest her m- I would so much more be inclined to have her on the list Which O'Connor Which uh, one You know it's not a question of which one Yeah, basta her works. Yeah. Her general like, it, portfolio, it, portfolio. Much of her short stories are really good character analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the ones that we just talk, talked about, I do think Tell Tale is actually a better character uh, analysis piece than Cask just because it's just because of how clear it is how much clearer the motivations and how much clearer the 
I guess, the character conflict is, and let's face it, Bob is more infinitely more interesting than Montresor. Yeah, <laughs> I have to give that one to Bob too. Yeah, he's much more interesting <laughs> than Montresor. I mean, it's um, there's value in analyzing Montresor's point of view, especially, you know, the way he rationalizes everything, the whole punish with impunity thing. That's very interesting, and there's value in that. But if you're teaching high school students, Telltale is much more accessible, much more entertaining, much more visceral, much more... Uh, the imagery is much more... It packs a stronger punch. Yeah. It's just a generally... It's a generally um, better story in terms of teaching. Actually, no. Scratch that. It's a generally better story. It's just a flat-out better story than Cask. Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. Not just in teaching. It's a flat-out better story than Cask. But especially in teaching. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're teaching high school. And we know that... Yeah. We're talking about high school here. Because, you know, that's how the education system works. <laughs> Apparently, Edgar Allan Poe is for high school in the Philippines. I mean, it's also the same probably in other countries. But, like, we're yeah. all coming from that context. Now We all had mm-hmm. Poe in high school. Carla? Mm-mm. Yeah, I just want to anchor on your point that Edgar Allan Poe's stories are interesting. Interesting enough for them to catch the students' attention. Because mm-hmm. one of the difficulties the teachers also face, especially literature teachers, is to make their kids read. Because yeah. when you enter a classroom, not all of your students are inclined to read in your subject. They are not like very proficient readers, they don't like to read books or whatever. Not all of them are like that. Or all of them. Um, I mean, yes. And I think Edgar Allan Poe's stories, regardless of who you are, regardless of your like um, reading comprehension and everything else, the mere fact of it dealing with topics that are not usually heard of, Mm-hmm. And at the at for their age, hindi talaga sin or sinasensor mm-hmm. by parents or adults or other people is important in getting their interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that, mas may incline silang basahin siya. And at the same time, learn about you know elements of fiction, yeah. reading comprehension, imagery, and all that. Yeah. So for a teacher. Ano yun eh, are, um, it's a, an important weapon in your arsenal. Yeah. Kasi nandun agad yung charm, nandun agad yung interest of them learning more about um, killing other people and the <laughs> motives for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kasi you don't yeah. generally teach this. I mean, you don't generally read this like a parent would hand you a book of Edgar Allan Poe. No. So parang yeah, dun siguro mas nag-anchor ang like for me, I would definitely use this um, rather than, say, for example, Pride and Prejudice or any other novel, any other um, story na with just plain romance or whatever. Because yeah. it interests the kids. Because they don't know about it. They're not familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. More than so than accessibility of the language and so. Yeah, yeah. True. I mean, uh, for a bit of context lang, I teach grade 10. And uh, yeah, our and our Shakespeare, our Shakespeare for grade ten is Macbeth. And I do think Macbeth 
is a very very in in the same vein as this you, I mean, if you if you're not familiar with Macbeth come on <laughs> you should read it it's good mm-hmm. Macbeth is a very violent play maybe we'll very, do that sometime yeah we'll probably handle Shakespeare at some point anyway Macbeth is a very violent play and the fact is that kids love that mm-hmm. especially I'm, I'm teaching I'm teaching all boys they love that <laughs> they love uh, the imagery of uh, of the entire story they love the driving force of how it happens violence interests teenagers i wish it yeah. didn't but it does and poe is a very his stories are very violent and kids love that you know there's a, there's a reason why kids love like hp lovecraft and why uh you know uh, teens are like one of the um target audiences talaga of like uh, horror movies or even like action movies in general they really mm-hmm. like they really like violence i mean um of course it's sorry i just know yeah, but yeah, yeah, maybe go. it's also the very kinetic nature yeah yeah of these kinds of stories like it moves because yes. they can clearly see the movement of it which is i guess also contributes to the you know um marketability quote unquote of it for students yeah definitely definitely it's fast paced and um it what word am i looking for um it's not passive it's an active it's an active uh you know th- this kind of genre is very much active and teenagers they they lack patience <laughs> mm-hmm. we've all been there they lack patience they don't really like too much you know build up with very little payoff and poe does not do that poe poe stories give you build up and the payoff is always almost always very satisfying so mm-hmm. yeah that's why they really like it and more than so the thrill factor of the stories but it's also important for us to teach kids these negative emotions these yeah. negative situations because like if you're going to compare it with history like if you don't teach martial law if you don't mm-hmm. teach world war ii there's something missing within them because you're not teaching that um with these negative events with these bad uh, tragedies or um like crimes they wouldn't be aware that that's bad and that, that they should not do that. So parang it's more so of the thrill factor that um, just letting them be exposed to different types of stories. Yep, yep. And hindi lang yung mga happy-go-lucky yeah, or that's like true. Roman that's style true. and um, very close to yeah, reality. Yeah. Which I guess kind of also goes back to the argument of literature being a safe place for kids and teenagers to explore certain themes without putting themselves in harm's way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair though, if you're a teacher teaching these kinds of stories, it's your job to process these well. Yeah, true, true. Okay, you don't leave these ideas floating around Mm -hmm. you don't make them read this and then not talk about it and not process the uh the you know the thinking and why it's reprehensible 
it's your job to process this <laughs> as a literature yeah. teacher. So don't leave it yeah. hanging. Don't leave it hanging. Anyway, aside um, in terms of teaching, rin, I'll pivot lang to a different macro skill. Let's talk about teaching writing. This entire time we've been talking about using this to teach reading. Eh. How does mm-hmm. what is the value of using Poe to teach writing, especially creative writing? I mean, again, it's good example of a character study. It's something, uh, personally, I you could strip it down to its skeleton and see what makes a character a character. Uh-huh. Like Poe is very conscious of who his character is, what their motivations are, and how their actions bigot consequences that are appropriate. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, because the narrative itself is very much different. Again, from what I said earlier, it provides variety when you give them these kinds of stories and you're exposing them to different kinds of writing styles. And so, post writing style is very much different from other romantic writers or even classical writers per se. And so, if you teach them this certain writing style, the use of imagery, the use of build-up, anticipation, first-person point of view with an unreliable narrator, it gives them another technique, another style of writing, especially in creative writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I'm going to use this to teach creative writing, I will focus on the aspect of the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Just because I think Poe does it so well. And... Yeah. Um, I mean, Poe does it so well that most of our discussions in the past few episodes were just, you know, about whether we can believe this person or not, or whether we think this person is insane or not. It's so well done, the way that he um, gets into the minds of these people. I mean, this reflects to his own psycho- psychology, whatever. I don't, I don't want to talk about his Poe's own psychology. Anyway. Um, also, like, tying yeah. into that, um, the way he uses the very um, old adage of show don't tell when it comes yep. to writing like yep. yeah. it's a very uh, it sounds weird but reading Poe is a very tactile experience for yeah, me it's true. Yeah. because you you don't just read it you can immerse yourself in it and you actually get invested through what the character, the na- the narrator shows you. Mm-hmm. Even though they don't say it outright, even though you never know what truly is the motive, even though if you never know and uh, you know what it was that Fortunato did or what uh find really was the motivation behind Bob's, you know, evil eye association, you'll never know but with the way Poe writes this imagery, with the way he really connects you, the reader, to the sensations of the story, it's not that hard to be immersed into it. Yep, yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, the magic of Poe's storytelling is that he uses these very basic storytelling blocks, these very basic storytelling foundations so well. Because it's sobrang, mm-hmm. ano lang yan, sobrang basic lang yan, eh, imagery. Irony, foreshadowing, all of those are like things that have been used, you know, over and over again. 
but he uses them so well. And yun, yeah. and yun lang, I think if I'm going to use this as a creative writing example, I will make them focus on that. Now, Poe does not really do, he does not reinvent things. You know, he does not reinvent the wheel. It's just, he's using all of these techniques that we already know and we've already been talking about since who knows how long and just uses them, you know, just pushes them, you know, to a, just pushes them to their limit, basically. No, not really limit. Just pushes them so far that his stories, you know, are transcendent in their own right. I think you, listener, already can infer that we like Poe. <laughs> we like Poe. True, true. I mean, to be fair, we, we haven't really um, used this in, in the classroom. I mean, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, personally, I have not done that <laughs> yet. Yeah, I would want to, but no, I yeah. have not done that yet. Yeah. I mean, Marian and I have used this for a module before in college. Re- you remember how we used this for teaching character? We used cask yes. for teaching character. Yeah, but you know, it's not really. It's just a module. It's not really a full, full-blown lesson. But yeah, I imagine if we were going to teach this. Yeah, it will be interesting. I would like to do mm-hmm. that. Same. So, all in all, uh, I do recommend Cask. Uh, if you've never read it, you should. I recommend Telltale Heart even more. So, if you haven't read Telltale, definitely bump that up your list. And Poe in general do recommend his works because again like what we've said over and over again he writes well so well in fact that he still lives in the zeitgeist of English literature yep Carla um I would definitely recommend both of his stories and basically Edgar Allan Poe because regardless of what age what grade you're teaching what year you're they will be 100% interested in this and if not I mean okay you can still encourage them <laughs> or guide them to reading because yeah, it's at uh, it's um, very tenacle, interesting for kids so definitely would recommend yep yeah for me I will recommend this too I mean most public schools already teach cask of Amontillado but cons- um, if I may if I may pause it teach Telltale as well or better yet not really better yet better yet teach Telltale as well or replace Cask with Telltale <laughs> that's my th- <laughs> in your in your curriculum because it's it's better in my opinion um, I do recommend Edgar Allan Poe in general but with a caveat that you as a teacher will need to break this down and you will need to be empathetic with uh, you know, explaining and processing these works. You're not. Yeah. You're not. You're, uh, don't don't use Edgar Allan Poe if you're a lazy teacher and you're just going to leave it hanging. That's the caveat. Okay. If you are, if you if you think if you wanna be a good literature teacher, go use Poe. Pero kung tamad ka, tapos mo lang tasyun na yun. Don't use Poe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't don't put these ideas into teens' heads without processing. True, 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 true. Or you will um, create serial killers. 
in the future. Again, this podcast is not admissible in court. Yeah. We are not responsible or liable yeah. for anything that you do. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Do not do not blame your actions on our dear spooky boy Po. He already has enough problems. Yeah. Okay, he's already problematic in himself. Do not blame your problems on him. Anyway, okay, so that was our discussion of Telltale Heart and the Cask of Amontillado. For oh, we're done. We're done. We're for done now. with for now. For that we're done with that set. Um next week we are no, not next week. Next, next, next week, we are going to talk about uh, Louis Sacker's holes, which is fr- coming from a you know a deep dark place. We're going back to children's literature, and I just I just <laughs> I mean, miss. It is yeah. a little dark. Yeah, it is dark. Nowhere you know, near Poe. Nowhere near as dark as this. Nowhere of near course. as dark as Bob. <laughs> Stanley is not as dark as Bob. Okay, so. Uh, I guess we hope you listen again next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.